Welcome to Two Paley's on a Pod. I'm Bria Paley. And I'm Michael Paley, right now from Brooklyn, New York, even though I usually live in Budapest, Hungary. And I am in Santa Cruz, California, where it is pouring rain probably for many days. Well, I'm no, I know that there's often drought in California, so I pray for rain every day, and I'm glad it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it might not be comfortable for you, the plants will be grateful. Yes, exactly. I've got right. my <laughs> I want to introduce uh, some of the reasons why you are now in Santa Cruz, California, and I am in Brooklyn, not Budapest. Um, uh, since the last time we had a podcast, much has happened to us, really a lot. Um, and, and I've moved around a bit. I've come to America and I've gone to New Orleans um, and spent uh, nine or so days there. And now I'm back in our little pedater in Brooklyn um, on my way soon to Egypt. But you have had a great journey. We did a podcast earlier on journeys, how we move around. And your journey has been quite extraordinary. The last time we talked, you were driving across America um, and you were almost at Esalen where you were going to um, spend some time. So I thought today we would um, do this kind of like the Midrash, which means a, a story, a, a central story um, with lots of things to explore. That's what a Midrash is. It, it comes from the word Darash, which means to, um, to investigate, um, to research, to look into deeply. Um, and we would, I would, we would listen to your story of the last bit of time, and then we would take uh, topics that come out in that story. Um, and I think I will try and bring some Jewish sensibility to it and some spiritual sensibility. But really, it's been quite an extraordinary odyssey for you. So why don't you give us a bit of an overview of what happened when you arrived in California? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So. You know, I was really excited to, to spend three months at Esalen. I thought that it was just everything I'd been searching for, and um, it was going to be a service work position, so um, cooking, cleaning, things like that. And uh, I didn't actually know what I'd be doing until I arrived, and I found out I'd be working in the kitchen. And um, I've had a lot of difficulty in kitchens. Um, it's been, you know, not easy for me to do dishes or cook um, or things like that. I usually try to leave it to other people, but I figured, you know, I, I can do this. And, um, and it just, it, it was very overwhelming for me. It was very um, loud in the kitchen, lots of um, clanking of, you know, equipment and um, a lot of people coming to eat. Um, they serve about usually about 600 meals a day. So 200 people, three meals a day. Um, I did really like the people working there, but people were getting sick or injured, so they were quite understaffed. Um, just it felt like there was just a lot going on, and um, and I think I was so exhausted from my road trip that um, I got sick for a few weeks, and so then I would come to work late because I didn't want to be working so many hours while I was sick and. Um, I've just, I've now, now that about five weeks or more has passed since um, the end of that job, they they did tell me that um, that I had to leave. So I essentially, I got fired from Esalen, which feels bad, you know, it feels bad to be fired from anything, but especially um, a wellness retreat center that, you know, 
gives so many people healing and that's what I was looking for. But the truth is I was there to work and uh, I didn't want to do that work. So I asked if I could switch and do a different job like um, like housekeeping. I thought that might be a better fit for me, but they said the need is really in the kitchen. And um, I, I, did, I did work hard and I, I feel proud that I, I stuck with it. I wish it could have been longer. The way that they asked me to leave or told me to leave really was quite um, abrupt. And I, I really only had a few hours to, to gather all my belongings and get in, get in my car and decide where I was going next. It was quite uh, stressful. Um, and when I get into uh, situations like that, I go into like a fight or flight mode where I just am like, okay, got it, got to get this done. So the trauma of the experience didn't really hit me until, until afterwards, you know, when I was able to reflect on, on my, my actions and the, um, the things I could have definitely done differently. And then just, uh, just what it was like to be there for a month. I mean, a lot, a lot happened. They had a land acknowledgement ceremony, which is like the native tribe, um, that, you know, says that the land was stolen from them. And, there was a lot going on there. A lot of people were, were coming through. Um, and and they're, the guests that come are generally like wealthy white people, which, you know, um, that's that can be a little complicated to to be, you know, around that that specific demographic for me. I mean, coming from New York, I was sort of like, you know, maybe trying to avoid that in some way. But but, you know, I, I knew that was probably going to be the case. But I did meet so many amazing, interesting people. And uh, it's, you know, I'm I'm just kind of processing um, and grieving that that I didn't get the the two months after that. And, and I'd still be there now through um, the middle of January. Can you say a little bit more about Esalen and, and what it's like? Is it beautiful? Is it um, dramatic? Is it... And, and What's yeah. the experience? Yeah, Esalen is is really a beautiful place. I mean, really, it's just it's on the it's on the cliffs, it's on the water. There's many, you know, it's a it's a big area. You can like walk um, into into the farm. I was staying in in what's called the farmhouse with um, a few other people who are also in the program that I was in, and they would do we would have four hours a week of. Um, like a class with with one of the faculty at Esalen. So we did different types of meditation. We did some Gestalt therapy. It is the um, home of Gestalt, Esalen. Sorry? It is the place where Gestalt was founded. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I found it to be um a pretty intense experience to to do it. Um it, you know, definitely brought up a lot of a lot of I think traumas that I that I've been working through, including like the work situation. Like I was very vocal about the fact that I hadn't worked in a while, had had trouble maintaining work situations. Um, you know, my diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. I I was quite open about that, and, and even including in the interview for Esalen, I told them that. So, yeah, I, I really felt that um, that I could be accommodated. But yeah, in, in the end, I think, I guess it just. Um, yeah, they needed work to be done and they yeah. and you were doing, I guess. Well, I, I really tried my best, but, you know, I feel like uh, 
I'm kind of like a slow learner, especially in work situations where there's a lot of new things to figure out, like, you know, different systems and where to, where to put things after they're washed and wearing an, I have to wear an apron all the time. I mean, you know, it sounds silly now because I'm like, was it, was it even that hard? I mean, it shouldn't have been that hard. A lot of people enjoy that kind of work. Um, I enjoy that kind of work. Yeah. A lot of people do. I, I think it was really that I've had such a difficult year. Um, maybe the ayahuasca was, was a big factor for me. You know, like after I did that, I think things started to kind of unravel and I was using Esalen as like a, as like the answer, but really, um, I needed, I needed a lot more support. Um, and, uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it in that sort of work situation, which, which you know, is sad for me. You know, I, I think about this, um, a lot and I think about it with you, you know, um, uh, you and, and a number of other people in, in. Uh, both our family and in my broader family um, uh, have a very different relationship to work than I have. Work is a very uh, uh, complicated and amazing thing. You know, on uh, Shabbat, um, it's well known that we're not supposed to work. That's what the that's what the translation is. You shall not work on the Sabbath. Um, and in some ways, I have this image of Esalen as a place of Shabbat, you know, of retreat, of uh, meditation, of uh, not working. Um, and you were actually asked to work there, you know? So like, it was a very complicated clash between your expectations of Shabbat and your expectations and, and your, and your difficult, uh, sets of, of expectations about work. Um, the fact is, is that, um, the word work is not a good translation of what we're not supposed to do on Shabbat. What we're not supposed to do on Shabbat is the word malacha, which is the word for, I believe, craft. There are three mm -hmm. words that work, pu'ula, activity, um, avoda, which is labor, but it can also mean service. Um, and the third one is, is milacha, which is craft. Um, what you were doing in some ways was, a, I think, a cross between avoda, service, and avoda, labor. Um, and I was just thinking, wondering if you could reflect on that a little bit. What, you know, you're in this place of meditation and healing, and I think that in some ways doing the dishes was a service to the general population, but then it turned into a labor that was untenable for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard from many times from people in the kitchen, you know, we we're feeding everyone here. This yeah. is like, this is how they're able to do their work because we're feeding them. And, and I could hear that. And I knew that I, I think it was more than just the work. It was, it was sort of just like very overwhelming for me in many ways to to be to be there. I think like I I I have like kind of unhealthy coping mechanisms that that followed me uh, to Esalen, and um, I kind of was I was gossiping and I was angry and I was jealous and I was obsessive, and I I can admit all those things because that's what happened and i want to do better um i feel i feel like you know sad and, and ashamed and a little scared by the last few weeks because i've been just really not feeling like myself and wishing that i had another chance i actually thought that i would get another chance to go back in a in a paid program called leap which is less work and more study which would have been a better fit for me i'm sure but um 
you know, they don't, they don't seem to want me back. So, huh. um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it obviously reminds me of, of other jobs that were different, but, you know, similar kind of situations where I would get to a job and think, well, I don't like this job and how can I change it or have it fit my needs? You know, yes, definitely at Esalen, there's lots of offerings for, for healing, yoga classes and, yeah. and talks. And I, I wanted to go to all those. So when work would clash with them, which was often because I was working 30 hours in the kitchen and six hours in the gar farm and gardens, when work would clash with that, it was disappointing to me. And I would say, well, can I take, can I take a longer lunch or can I leave early or, you know, and, and no one likes that. And, uh, yeah, no one likes that. So, yeah. I mean, when you say it, it seems kind of funny, right? Why, why would they like it? You know, you signed up for a job and they were paying you. So yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about maybe your relationship with work in general. Which I find uh, interesting. You've had some jobs which you loved, but almost every job you, at some point or another, you left. Yeah, um, and and there was uh, an elder at Esalen who I, you know, became sort of close with, and he he practices the Gestalt therapy, and um, he told me clearly, he's like, you have a choice, you know, you have a choice here if you're gonna if you're going to commit to this or not. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. And I, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Didn't work out. Um, you couldn't commit to it. That was the, that's the issue. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and I was also quite sick for a few weeks, so my energy was low. I wasn't sleeping well. I was trying to navigate interpersonal relationships, which, you know, having borderline, that's a very big, challenge for me as well just trying to feel like i belong and fit in and at some point you know i think well i don't belong and and no one likes me and this is another pattern in work situations where i think my coworkers, you know don't like me and um so but you had asked a question about about other jobs is that what you asked well i i think that you have you know the the interesting thing, I hope that people will find it interesting, um, is that doing dishes has always been a terribly difficult thing for you. I used to fight with you when you were a kid constantly about doing the dishes. And of course, like many other things, I would lose and I would just do them myself. In fact, I would say one of the reasons I like doing dishes so much is I learned how to do them because you wouldn't. Um, and and even our other kid, my other kids, you know, your brother and sister, remember those struggles, you know, for me to try and get you to do that. Maybe it was the water was the wrong temperature or the soap or the something, the smell. Well, just I think, I think it's an OCD thing, you know, which I also have, which is like touching, touching people's food scraps and, um, and the, the dish soap and just trying to even like just the actual cleaning, like at Esalen, there's huge, you know, pots and pans and, um, all sorts of things. And, you know, one, one day it was after lunch and I found myself alone in the dish area and I, I kind of freaked out and then I got angry and I was like, well, I'm not doing the dishes at all. And I, you know, I stopped doing the dishes. They started piling up and they had to send two of the cooks in to do them. And, and it was, you know, it was pretty embarrassing. It was like the equivalent of, 
you know, having like a tantrum, which, which I know, I know that I did do also growing up and around dishes, actually. Yeah. Around dishes. So it's, it's just, yeah, it's interesting, you know, today I have a bit of a a clear head, which is weird because I haven't been sleeping well for days, but, um, you do seem quite clear. Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, feel like a bit more alert, which is like, maybe I should have been on meds, you know, and that would have helped insulin. I mean, there's, there's lots of variables here that I can think about for a long time to come. And I, I really would like to put this behind me, um, and take, take the, the lessons that I learned about myself and, you know, put them into something productive because, I have to forgive myself for all of this and I have to figure out how to do it better or differently because I'm going to need to work, you know, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, I, know. I mean, you know, there's some some people that probably, and you might be one of them. I always feel that if you did higher work, you know, kind of thinking or whatever, what, I don't know what higher means there. I don't know what high means at all. In fact, I regret using the phrase. I, I, I think a lot about work. Um, particularly because Judaism is so um, determined to shape the kind of work and even service um, that we engage in. So the word avodah, which is I translate as, as labor and service, um, also has a, it's, it has a high um, uh, um, uh, image in it because if you think about the service on Yom Kippur afternoon, it's called the avodah service, the avodah service which was the service of, um, of the high priest entering into the Holy of Holies, you know? It was a certain sense of the veneration of that, of that act. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, the great um, uh, philosopher who tried to undo anything Jewish was uh, Karl Marx, um, and he tried to work, a th- I think, a lot through the issue of who owns people's labor, you know? Does mm-hmm. the Lord own your labor? Does the people own the labor? Do people own their own labor? Does the state own your labor? Um, um, even Emil Durkheim has many good things to say, interesting things to say about work. It's societies that, that, that you know, have a whole day where they don't work and societies that think they should work all the time, you know? Um, and in some ways, our society that we live in, in America, has a very strong work ethic, sometimes called the Protestant work ethic, um, where we live in Budapest, people don't work nearly as hard. They take off a lot more time. They take longer breaks. They don't think, they don't, they don't identify themselves through their work. They identify themselves through their communities. Um, This is the group that I belong to, as opposed to this is my job. This is how much I produce. This is how much I was involved with things. Just interesting because you have never really seen yourself as defined by your labor or by your work. Right. Well, I mean, my, my favorite jobs were my first jobs when I was working as a journalist. You know, that's when I felt really like more comfortable. And I, that's what I studied in college. And then things just started going downhill. I had a traumatic experience with a supervisor um, who was bullying me. And then um, I, I got into, I started doing retail work and then I got into the travel industry and then I did sales and I did customer service and I, um, I went to fashion school. I thought I'd be a buyer. I mean, I really got, I did a lot of temp work. Um, I was an extra on TV shows. You know, I, I, I was a nanny. I've tried all these different things 
um, just to kind of figure out Airbnb host, just to kind of figure out my life and make and make things possible. I also traveled for a long time and just kind of avoided work altogether. Yes, you did. Yeah, you say you, you used the phrase a few seconds ago. Obviously, I'm going to have to learn how to work um, uh, as if you will. I don't I don't know if you will. You know, it's it's unclear to me that you will um, that you need to do that. We want to do that. You know, maybe there's other ways of doing it. Renting an Airbnb, support yourself that way. I don't know. It's just a very interesting thing in your life. This issue of work. It, I think it also has something to do with um, uh, the issue of power. So in this midrash that I'm that I'm thinking about in the last number of uh, weeks of your life. Um, the next issue is power because there were people that told you what to do um, and authority. It's really power and authority. Um, I've never been much of a guy to submit to other people's authority. And I also always change the job a little bit so that it fits what I can do. Thankfully, that's worked for me until my, you know, throughout my long career. Um, uh, but you, I think, have really, you know, that some of this was struggle with authority, was it not? Yes. Yeah, there was the chef, and there was the, um, the the manager, and um, there were even other people in my program who were giving me um, directions. Um, I and I I felt like everyone else was doing it better and faster, and I I did get some positive feedback sometimes, but mostly I just I just was like, ah, this is too much. Like I I can't do this, and I didn't feel like I was part of the team. I felt like very very separate from that but did you want to be part of the team yeah i did i wanted to be part of the team and there there were there really were some moments that that i was but even then i just felt i just felt different but but from what you were saying about authority figures and also i i've been working you know 12-step recovery programs around um internal family systems and and how like i kind of i think i i kind of recreate family dynamics at work where i'm mm. like you know the the rebel and mm. um you know don't i don't want people telling me what to do or or i think that i deserve to to get more responsibilities that's also played out in most of my jobs where i i feel like well why you know the dishwasher is like the at the lowest you know <laughs> point right the least amount of authority you can have right and i and you know and here i'm thinking well i'm i'm bria paley like i've done all these amazing things and instead of being like well here i am at esalen and like you know who who cares if i'm just the dishwasher you know um and people would you know people guests were nice to me and they'd compliment the everyone on the food and it's it's really a shame like i i obviously wish i could have done it differently i i in my you know my thoughts are kind of obsessed with, with this now, like wishing I could change it or that I'll wake up and still be there. You know, it's just really like I'm, I'm sitting in this room in Santa Cruz. It's a sublet that I found for a few weeks and it's, it's a perfectly nice place, but you know, it's not Esalen and I have to find my own food and I have to figure out my day. And it's, it's been, it's been really challenging, really, really challenging so much so that I'm like, where do I belong? Where do I go? Do I go back to New York? Am I a failure? You know, it's, I've just had to question so many aspects of my life. It's been um, really yes. hard. Very hard. 
you know, I, I want to tell you that, you know, you're, you're wonderful. I, whenever you say something, I find myself chuckling because of my great love for you. And also because I think you haven't been a failure. You've, you've been really wonderful and you've done lots of amazing things. Just as you just said, you've done, you've had an amazing journey. Mostly the journey has been amazing. Whenever you've had to sit still and do work, you know, not being on the journey, you've had difficulty with it. I, I, I find it, I find it pretty interesting, you know, of, of, of what it is that um, makes you, you know, I don't know, bridle about it being in a team, you know, just being like everybody else. Hmm. It, you are not like everybody else. You are quite unique and quite amazing. And you have lots of, uh, of inner light. That's how I've always seen that in you. I think everybody can see it in you. Um, but there's, there's another whole part of you that doesn't seem to um, uh, develop in that way. And I'm just interested in your thoughts about it. Um, thought. I think that it's, it's like a shadow side. It's like, cause, cause I also, uh, I'll wake up and, and feel one way or another way. And it's, it's quite dramatic sometimes the difference and, uh, it's it's emotion dysregulation for sure um it's probably you know other factors that contribute like how well i slept or ate or took care of myself or prayed um when i was at esalen i i kind of gave up on on my my practices and my you know um, my routines and all that like kind of went out the window because i just was like oh my gosh i gotta like show do up for the, hmm? do the dishes yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would, I would get to work and just feel like, like doom or dread, um, by, by the tasks at hand. Um, you know, they, sometimes they were fine, like chopping, um, you know, cauliflower or, uh, squash or making salad dressing or setting up the salad bar or setting up the, you know, breakfast or, you know, things like that. Like it's just, um, I just sometimes would get in get into a, a, a mood and I I couldn't pull myself out and people could, yeah, could see it in my face. They'd be like, Oh, what's wrong? Or, you know, can I give you a hug or can I support you? Or, um, but I, I found myself just like in tears so much of the time. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and since then I've barely been able to cry, which is actually, I, I'd like to be able to cry because I feel like I need to release this kind of pent up, grief um i've been like talking to a somatic um healer you know somatic therapist but um yeah it's really it's really a shame it's really sad to me that this happened i i trust that like you know God, god's will is for me to you know to leave or whatever but um um and then i, I guess i'm needed elsewhere Maybe that's what was going on. You know, I also at while I was there, I did try to kind of connect with like the creative types like marketing and the person who does the podcast. And I thought that that would, you know, kind of help me to like be around the those people. But I think they just saw it as I was trying to get out of my my work and, you know, kind of sneak sneak into something else. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think there's truth to that. I think I you know, I'm always hoping people will be like, wow, you're really talented. Let's pull you out of this and into this. 
Um, that's always sort of like my fantasy hope is that that will happen. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, I, I feel like, well, why, why do I have to keep pushing myself so hard? Like, why am I not successful after all these, all these years of, of trying things? But I realized that I, there's not, there's not been any consistency. And yet you sometimes understood, I think, that this was the best possible place for you to push through this barrier. People, people were hugging you. People were encouraging you. It's a very beautiful place. The food was good. You had gestalt um, uh, classes. Maybe you needed more, but you had some. And so at least on that side, you know, I, I have this image of Gandhi, you know, not that you're Gandhi or, um, or anybody's Gandhi, but, you know, Gandhi's constantly spinning, um, uh, in some ways, and, and someone asked him, why are you spinning? He says, because people in India are all needing to spin, and I'm going to do it too. He didn't want to be the great leader without doing an activity that everybody else did, you know? Um, and it was, he said, I need to do both. I, if I'm going to think the lofty thoughts, I also have to live in the mundane um, uh, and, uh, and everyday world. I'm not a greater soul than the least among us. Um, and I, and I, I understand that, you know, I, I, under I understand that too. And, you know, I talked to lots of people at Esalen who were quite successful there and many of them had worked in the kitchen. Um, mm. you know, so I, I think it was just so many factors, just what, what was going on while I was there, be them being very understaffed, um, it's also very corporate these days since the pandemic and they've lost uh, a lot. Of, they were, you know, closed for like a long time and just for debt. Yeah. Um, the moon cycles. I mean, they're just, there was, there was like a lot, a lot going on. People were like, the veils are very thin right now. And, you know, all these kind of spiritual um, astrological terms. And, I just, I just was very affected by, by the energy, other people's energy. It was, um, it just, it really felt like it was out of my control. Like even if I'd wanted to, um, do better, like I, I just couldn't. And that's, that's just something really to think about. Like I have to really think like, well, is there in your 12 step practice, isn't there a piece that says you to change what you can change and not um uh and yeah there's the serenity prayer so um god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference and i actually would say that every morning i'd like get in the shower and i'd i'd say the prayer i even wrote it one day on the there's a, a board that people write quotes and i wrote it one day in the lodge um i i really feel like i i did try very hard and and they, I think they knew that I could do the work. It's not like I couldn't do it. I mean, some of the pots and pans were very heavy and, you know, and I'm very short and small. Sometimes I'd have to reach for things in the walk-in fridge. But uh, I I think that if they had, if they supported me a bit more or I don't know, I, <sighs> yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it. It's just yeah, no. feels so bad. Tell them the next part of your journey. You you left Esalen abruptly, right? They said you have a few hours to leave and you didn't really have a place to go. It's, in my mind, unconscionable 
I do think that if if everything comes from God, which I'm not sure I understand in the same way you do, I would say that you went and you learned and you've learned and you learned and you learned. And there's a lot in this. In the last half hour, we've just, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of real deep learning that you did from this experience. Um, uh, um, so it, it may be that you were there for just long enough and you didn't need to spend even one more Shabbat there. I think you left on a Friday afternoon. Um, so... Yeah. Then you then you took off for Santa Cruz. Tell tell us a little bit about that transition and uh, and what you're doing now. So um, so when I left, the chief of staff, um, this this woman I'd never met, she um, basically had to like escort me back to um, the house I was staying at, and I packed my stuff. And she said, "If you need anything, let me know." And um, she came back to bring me some food and. Um, my, my mood actually was okay at that time. I don't, I mean, I think I was in shock, but I was just like, um, okay, I gotta, I gotta get this done. I never actually asked them, like, where do you think I should go? Like, or, or what do you, I know, you know, what if I'd said I have no money or like, I luckily I had a car. I mean, I'm just, I don't know what, what would have happened otherwise. Um, yeah. I didn't even ask them like what I'd done to get fired. Um, and I've since asked and, and was not given a specific answer, although, you know, I know what I did. But um, so, um, yeah, I I was trying to figure out where to go. My options were basically San Francisco or L.A. Um, I couldn't think of anywhere else because I know people in those places. And it was going to be a lot of driving to get to either one of those. And I was exhausted because the night before had been a Friendsgiving celebration and everyone was you know, hanging out till late. And, and I had to work a six thirty shift on the day they fired me, which feels really not okay. And, and the chief of staff agreed that that was a mistake. Um, but so she came back and, uh, oh, no, I skipped a, a, a piece. So, so then I, I have a sponsor for, um, my love addiction program and she lives in Santa Cruz and, um, I'd been in touch with her for a few months. I'd never met her in person. We'd connected um, online. And she said, you know, come stay here. So I was like, oh, wow. You know, I really was like so grateful. I was like imagining this like oasis where I could just like heal and be with my sponsor and like, thank God, like this happened. Palm trees. and Yeah. And so yeah. I, so I told her. I told the chief of staff and she was like, Oh, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. And I can see you're like on a, on a great journey. And, um, and she's like, I want to give you a crystal. So the woman who runs the massage, um, I also was supposed to have a massage that day that they didn't let me have. Um, so the woman who runs massages has all sells crystals as necklaces. And I, I picked one out. That's like a, a, what do you call it? A moon moonstone like a opalescent um crystal thing which now is kind of painful to look at so i don't wear it really but um yeah and then and then i got in my car and and drove to my sponsor's house and it and it really is like an oasis it's a beautiful place lots of land and people living in rvs and people living in the house and then so it's a community what i've noticed about santa cruz is there's so many little like mimics of esalen everywhere like it's like a you know, people, people doing their part and people in the kitchen and, um, and, uh, I went, I even found like the ecstatic dance community and went on, on a camping weekend with them. And, 
you know, everyone knows about Esalen, especially around here, because it's only two hours away. Um, and it's it's been tough because, you know, people are like, oh, why, what brought you here? And then I kind of tell the story and they're like, oh, that's, you know, that's <laughs> too bad. And like, um, it's such a nice place that you were going to, but it's kind of down. It was a down feeling. It was a sad feeling that you were there because you were no longer in Esalen. Right, exactly. So, you know, it's just, it's not, not a fun thing to recount. Um, and then I'm also like, well, I don't know what I'm doing in Santa Cruz. I mean, it's, it's a nice place and I can get by for some time without working, but I don't, I don't think I really want to stay here, but that could just be because I'm still grieving and, and it's anywhere would feel uncomfortable at this point. Um, what I've noticed for, for a long time this year, I really think I've been like in such a kind of crisis mode all year. Yeah. That, that going to Esalen was just another stop, you know, in the same vein, because I, I need, it's like, I need something else. Like I need, I need to like be in my purpose and like really focus on that. And even though doing the dishes for three months, you know, would have been fine. It's like something's like pushing me like, no, like do you have to do other stuff. You have to figure this out on your own. Um, because that's, that's the message I keep getting is like, cause I connect so well to people, you know, I've, I've made all these new friends in Santa Cruz and people really are rooting for me. I get check-in calls. I, people tell me they love me after like an hour. Really, I I really you know, I I feel supported, um, but there's just something it's it's like a inner critic or um, I like I'm missing like the self love because often when people compliment me or or things like that I I kind of cringe like I kind of feel like oh no like I don't I'm, I'm not lovable I don't deserve this I'm I've failed and I've I've done you know bad things and I've you know, I'm not. No, you are lovable. You are really lovable. Everyone would say that. I know everyone says that, but I, I'm trying to tell it to myself, and it's and it's challenging yeah. because I've had all these setbacks, and I, I envisioned my life quite differently. You know, like my my siblings are married and and have kids or get on the way, and um, and I just am like, well, what, what, what's my purpose? Like, what am I doing? I don't have a family. I don't have a job. I don't, I have a home, but you know, my parents paid for it. And I, yeah, it's like, it's like, is it, is it the disorder or is it something else? I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm interested uh, or even more than interested, um, uh, compelled by what it means to find the next place on your journey, you know? And how how do you find your particular, I don't know, not purpose, but more mission, I think. You know, more, you know, there there's only three philosophical questions. Genesis, origins, kinesis, change, and telus, or mission, or, or purpose. And I would say that right now you are on the telus part, you know. Where, what's the direction? Where are you going? I, I, I wouldn't compare yourself to your siblings. You know, as nice and as much as I love them also. You're quite unique and quite extraordinary. How do you focus in on the next place? Uh, I really don't know. It's been really challenging to, to think, like, what, what is next for me? I'm, I'm really, like, 
it's it's very unsettling. I'm I'm a person who really like wants to have a home and um and know you know know that that's there for me and yeah, I haven't felt that for a while. Even at Esalen, you know, um I was supposed to have a, a roommate and she never stayed in the room and I that made me feel like really rejected even though I'm sure it had little to do with me. But it's like this concept of of home feels very evasive right now like like where where is it going to be is it a warmer climate is it um another country again i mean i've 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 done this before and i i'm so reluctant to like start over in a new place because i i know it's hard and it's and i've had very low energy so i'm not like you know i i, I do get myself out and i've gone to to 12 step meetings and i um you know, and you start to pray. Have I gotten to pray? Yeah. Have you started to pray? Um, sort of. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't pray as much as I as I'd like. I've I've written some things down and I've listened to some spiritual books. Um, there's there's a book called Spiritual Madness that I really l- like listening to on Audible because it just has so many good pieces of information which are hard to recall. I, I also feel like I I don't retain information very well and I have to listen to things a few times before I really get them, which that's very frustrating for me. But maybe they're just very hard things to get and anybody would have to do that. Maybe. But I, and I understand why it's frustrating. Um, uh, I, I just have one other topic um, uh, now that some of these things we'll have to come back to in separate um, sessions mm-hmm. because just so much uh, rich stuff to think about here. And and that is the concept of, um, it's an Islamic concept. It's a concept that the Sufis talk about called fana, which is really, I suppose, the annihilation of the soul. Um, and in some funny way, I think that you are headed off towards not Eslin, but Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, or some sense of paradise or some sense of, you know, um, uh, a place where where you would be embraced and taken care of and and supported and and all those things. And in some ways, you were, um, and it is a very beautiful place. So it's not like not the Garden of Eden, but it it also broke it broke something in you. I would say that you came out of Eslin partially broken, and that is terrible and difficult and painful. Also very valuable. Hmm. You know, it's the time. I think I, I we've said even on this podcast before, I quoted Sharon Browse as explaining how caterpillars go through a period of being goo before they emerge as butterflies. You know, caterpillars are fleshy and they don't look at all like a butterfly, which is more membrane. Um, and so they what's the what's the metamorphosis that they go through? Um, and right now I would say that you are in some sense of annihilation of the soul, long night of the soul, or or some sense of darkness. Rabbi Nachman says. We all need this," he said. Rabbi Nachman of Bratislav says, um, "The way the moon cycle is is that you that every cycle, and it is true right now, you know, from the end of Hanukkah, is the new moon. So it's just the first sliver right now. I think it's the, the second day of uh, of the month of Tevet. Um, uh, but we do know that the full moon will come back. Um, and he says, let yourself descend. Let's let yourself go through the annihilation of the soul, so you can rebuild yourself. How how does that how does that sound to you and 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 how do you respond to that um i think that 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 is accurate that that's what i'm having to do now and 
I think this whole year has been has been leading to this kind of breakdown and uh it's uh it's scary you know i i wake up i don't i mean i haven't slept well but but when i when i have woken up in the morning it's it's i usually have a lot of fear because i think like well i can't do this you know it's it's too hard even like basic things have been hard lately um like self-care feeding myself showering you know because i i feel very very low um but yeah I, I think that my soul has you know has a mission and uh i just have to keep figuring out what that is um i i think it's you know even doing this podcast like this is part of my mission is to share share truth and be honest um break cycles you know there's a, there's a lot of pain out there and people don't always i think understand what it's like to you know live with mental illness or have certain struggles and setbacks and i mean ev everyone has everyone i think goes through some kind of transformation yeah i mean some people even uh try and go through it you know i think of the great saints saint john of the cross or um or um you know many many of of the medieval mystic meister Eckhart, they they craved it origin the great church father of the of the beginning of christianity um mutilated himself um so that he would be able to go through something in the in the image of the church is christ on the cross the charisma of christ on the cross which is is the man in pain, you know, the man, the God man in pain, God who never should have pain, man who has pain, and he's, he's both. And so, you know, the, the word, the, we just had Christmas, and so the words of, of Easter, you know, Eli, Eli, Lam Sabachthani, why, oh, you know, my Lord, my Lord, why are you forsaking me? In some ways, I'm, I, f I can hear that pain in you, it's existential pain, and yet I have some kind of, optimism that this is a moment in which you will emerge you know with some real some real skill and and almost battle hardened um sense of reality you know more than i'd hoped that you would you would get i suppose because every parent wants to shelter their kid but you know you've really been out there and 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 my heart goes out to you Thanks, Daddy. I think it's like, you know, just making the journey to the West Coast and um, it just, yeah, it just feels like I put so much into this and then like got my heart broken and and now I'm like, well, I'm here. So like what next, you know? And um, yeah, it's <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm in a movie and I'm like, well, this is an interesting plot twist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like I didn't, I didn't see that coming. But like, but maybe I did see it coming. Like, that's that's what I have to grapple with. I'm like, you know, is th there's something about me? Like, I, I had a, a an ex boyfriend who, you know, would say that I was a I was a saboteur. Hmm. And um, and I I do think I have I have that quality where I'm like. I, I self-sabotage and and I I wonder like what what that's about um yeah. I don't I don't know 
why that happens. But I definitely feel like I have different parts of myself. I have like my, my inner child who's like, you know, mad at me for not like protecting her and giving her what she needs and love that she needs. And I have like my, my teenager who's like, screw you guys. And, um, I just, I have like different, different parts of me that like come out, you know, and I, and I need to get a, a handle on them so that I can live my life. I mean, I've, I've felt lately like I'm like barely an adult and even like driving has kind of scared me lately just cause I've, I have to drive a lot in Santa Cruz to get almost anywhere. And it's just, it's tough. It's tough. I, I wish I could say, you know, I've got this and, and everyone tells me I do have it. I do got this. Yeah. I do a lot of like, you know, sessions with, healers and body work. And, um, I haven't done much yoga, which my friend Todd is like, do yoga, do yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, I put on my yoga outfit today so I can like get motivated to go. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a wonderful conversation and very honest on your part and very introspective. And I, I appreciate that. I, I think if you're in the long night of the soul, I, I hope that you're at near the end of the night and the, and the light will come back. Um, um, it is a kind of a heartbreaking moment, certainly for me as your father, it's heartbreaking. On the other hand, um, uh, they say that there's nothing so pure as a broken heart, and I have that, and and maybe I feel that. I, maybe I feel this kind of um, feeling of again optimism, or even um, or even you know deep admiration of your staying on this journey and and learning all you can learn. I wish you, uh, for my sake, was a little easier for you, and for your sake, much easier for you. But if it's not going to be easier, at least it's going to be um, real. And yeah. so I want to tell you at the end of all this that I love you. Yeah, I love you too. And I also wanted to say, you know, we just had winter solstice, and we just finished Hanukkah. And I think there's messages in that too of, you know, miracles and light and and that the darkest days are are ending. Um, and I, you know, today I do, I do feel some optimism and I, and I also wish that, you know, I haven't, I hadn't worried you and mommy as much as I have, but, um, you know, this is what's happening. So just have to accept it and keep learning, keep pushing myself. It's, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm like looking in the mirror as I say this because I'm in my room. There's a big mirror on the closet, and I'm sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, who who am I? Like I don't even recognize myself sometimes. <laughs> but but today I actually do. Today I actually feel like I'm the Bria Paley that can get can get things done. Um, well, I hope I, I hope she stays for a while. Me too. <laughs> Not that all the other ones aren't fascinating, but. I could use this one for a little bit of time. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Next time we'll be from Budapest or maybe even Cairo. I'm off to Cairo soon. <laughs> um, and who knows where Bria will be? Florida <laughs> or California or New York or someplace or someplace or another. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. <laughs>